0: Good morning, welcome to Lake Point Church, and we are so glad to have you here, I'm Pastor Scott, and um, welcome, maybe this is your very first time with us, and uh, maybe the first time in a long time, maybe you uh, came and the COVID happened, I know some. I see some new faces, I see you there, and I see some over there, it's good to see you again, and, uh, and welcome back, and uh, some of your first time, maybe you're watching online, thank you for being here with us as well, uh, you should find a connection card. Hopefully there's one around you. Uh, you can also do it online. There's a digital connection card. And, uh, and we have all that information on the screen, I think, above me. Is there a uh, screenshot? No? No screenshot? Okay. Um, program, handout cards, and uh, all that kind of information. And uh, you can text that number. Uh, handout to 586-800-0432. You'll see that card in front of you in your chair. But um, welcome to Late Point and a um, couple quick things real quick, and then we've got a special guest. I just want to share a few minutes before I get into the message, and, um, and uh, today's communion, and uh, we're going to be doing that in just a few minutes, and um, first time since we've uh, uh, together, since we've been together, um, so we'll be able to p- uh, participate together in communion, And uh, but um, Quit tonight, we have a volunteer appreciation dinner at five o'clock, bring your own camping chairs. it be outside, it's gonna be a beautiful night. And um, if you're like, hey, I wanna come, you can still come, just let us know on the back of your connection card, and, uh, or let Karen, or Lauren, or me, let one of us know, hey, can we come tonight? If you're not a volunteer, but you wanna be a volunteer, it's a great time to come tonight. Just join us tonight, five o'clock, and it can be a great, great night tonight. And then next Sunday, gotta know about next Sunday. Because if we look around, uh, this, this auditorium is uh, a little more packed. And um, and we we've realized that the last couple of weeks. And um, and that's great. That's a good thing. We, I love a packed house, except in a pandemic, it may not be the best idea in the world. And so uh, what we're doing next Sunday is adding a third service. A third service. So we'll have a 9 o'clock service, uh, a 10.30 service. So this 11 o'clock, we back up to and then we'll have a noon service hour. And uh, we're going to ask some of you to uh, sleep in for Jesus and go to the noon hour. Okay? <laughs> All right? So help me out here. Uh, then migrate a little bit. Go to the noon service. That will be um, you know, the, the service to go to. Free up this service um, as well. And the LP kids will only be at the 1030 service. So, you know, so if you're parents with kids, this will be the service you'll need to come to. Um, if you want your children and LP kids. But if you don't have kids and you can free up a, uh, free up a space a little bit, uh, we'd love for you to either come early at 9 o'clock or go a little bit later at noon. And uh, we'll start doing that next Sunday. and give you a great, great week, a great transition for all of us as we're trying to create a safe place for us to worship. We want to make sure you can come back and feel not worried and, um, about anything. But um, anyway, on October 4th, uh, last thing I want to do before we introduce our speaker, uh gonna give a few minutes speaking, okay, because I'm still speaking today, all right? You can't take it all, all right? You can't take it all. I've got to speak, too. All right? and so, but um, on October 4th, it's our Greater Things offering, and uh, we've got these blue buckets. Some of you have been collecting change all year round. And normally we do this in May, where you bring your bucket. We have a big, giant offering bucket on steroids, all right? You come in, and at the end of that service, you dump your change in that bucket. And everything we collect in that special offering goes to greater things in our city. So if you don't have a bucket, just grab one. We've got one in the lobby. You can get one, take one home, put it on the countertop, start putting loose change, dollar bills, $10 bills hundred dollar bills, however you want to put on it, and, uh, and start collecting change. And, and, then, um, and then on the day of October 4th, bring your bucket. If you can't be there, you can always bring it the following week and, and turn it in that way. But we encourage you to bring it on October 4th. It's going to be a great Sunday. And uh, last Sunday we heard from a church planner. part of the proceeds, part of the offering is going to go to him. He's planning a church in Ann Arbor. It's going to be a great work there. Uh, we're going to get behind him. But we also want to get behind a couple of others, including uh, Abigail Ministry. And Susan Myers has been a friend of Late Point for a long time, uh, since the beginning. And we're just glad to have her here again. We've supported her before. And part of our offering for greater things will go to support her ministry. So I've asked her to come and just take a few minutes. <laughs> a few minutes. And she did, you did great, the first service. You know, you were fantastic. So I ask you to take uh, a few minutes to share what God is doing in Abigail ministry and where they're going. And uh, some of you have never heard of this ministry. I want you to know what's going on because it's a great ministry. God is doing some incredible work. So let's give a warm late point welcome to Susan Myers.
1: Thank you. You notice that pastor said a few minutes because he knows me well enough, and I heard your snickers for the rest of you that know me very well. It really is an honor to be here today, and as I was telling the first service, service is that for me, when I prayed about today, I said, what is the word, Lord, that I would actually speak to this church? And the word that just hit my spirit was faithful. This church has been Faithful. It has been faithful in its belief for what God would do. How many of you were church in a box? How many of you were part of that? If you could raise your hand. You held on to the promise of this day in this church. And this is my first time being in this church on this space to talk to you when I've talked to you every other time at Lutheran High North. You held on to the promise. And those that weren't there, you're living the promise here. And faithful is also a same word that we would use for Abigail because we believe and are holding on to the promises of God has for us and for Abigail ministries. And this this was the verse that came to mind this morning, for every word God speaks is sure, and every promise is pure. His truth is tested, found to be flawless and ever faithful. It's as pure as silver, refined seven times in a crucible of clay. For those of you who packed up a church and took it apart every Sunday and put it up and took it down, it felt like a crucible of clay, right? But you're sitting in this silver refined moment, and so is Abigail. We've come through an incredible time at Abigail Ministries. We've been around for 20 years, and for those who don't know who we are, Abigail is really very close by here on in Sterling Heights on 19 Mile Road. You're going, Where? But we don't advertise where. Ironically, we're in an old convent in, um, over at St. Matthias Church where we pay for a lease. And in that church, in that place, God does amazing things. Some people would call it a program, we call it a home. We call it a place of rescue. We call it a safe place. We call it a place where women who are homeless and pregnant who don't have safe places to go to, who don't have families that are going to embrace the choice they've made. They're a place where they can, they can know that they won't get hurt, a place that they want to learn and know something different. And this is what I love. The women who come to Abigail Ministry, so many of them have never been loved maybe perhaps the way you and I have been loved. But they love that child they're going to have, and they want it something different for that child. And that's what they do in their faithfulness and coming. And what does God do at Abigail Ministries? Well, let me just share a little bit of what that is. I'm going to ask for the first photo to come up. This is Kiana and Amari. Kiana came with no faith in Jesus. Kiana did not know who she was, but she knew one thing. She was pregnant, and she wanted that baby, and there was nobody for her. And here's the beautiful story of that girl today who's shining. She believes in Jesus. And here's the other thing. She has a job now working as a certified nurse's assistant. And here's the other thing. She got that certification while at Abigail Ministries. We're not just feeding souls because that is number one. It's the foundation. I remember the day you all brought Some of you took and brought a brick and made your commitment to building this church where we're at today, being part of that. Well, that's the foundation stones that are being laid in their lives. It's how to connect them to resources, how to connect them with jobs, but how to connect them to Jesus is by being Jesus first. It's faithfulness, and I love what God is doing. He's being so faithful to Kiana as she starts to now look outwards to say, what is next? We're a two-year program. And the reason why it's not six months, it's the reason why we're not a program. they stay for up to two years because it doesn't take six months to turn a ship. How do you take a lifetime of brokenness and then turn it around? It takes time, and it's just the beginning. And I watch what God does and what God is doing through you. Next picture. We have one of our girls that was with us back about three or four years ago, four years ago maybe, and what I love about this picture is she comes back and celebrates her daughter's birthday every single year at Abigail Ministries. And you helped to make that happen. We celebrate first birthdays, and here she is now pouring into another generation of children being born at Abigail Ministries. What I love about her is that she loves Jesus. What I love about her is she's just not holding out for a man in her life to love her. She's holding out for the real thing. She wants somebody who loves Jesus before, before her, and she wants the big thing too. So we're going to pray for that. She wants a pastor man, as I told Karen in the first service. Watch out, pastor, <laughs> because she wants that for her life and for her child's life. That is what God is doing and being faithful. Our next picture. This little guy was born in the middle of COVID at St. John's Hospital in March when people were going in where you were not allowed to go in with anybody else. But in this case, this mama got to have one of our our workers go in for three days and labor with her. I want to tell you, Abigail has been COVID free. That's a testimony. Abigail has has given birth and had two women go in and have babies in hospitals in the height of the crisis and not be touched by it. It's that walking through the fire, walking through the, flame and never smelling like smoke. That is what happened. His name is Benjamin. And don't you think that's an awesome name for such a little guy who's going to be a big guy someday. Next picture. This is Trinity. You got to love Trinity. Don't you love their names? Trinity's mama is now living in a home she has of her own. She's working at Amazon. But here's the bigger thing the most important thing. She wants to go back to school and is not just to go and be Someone, I don't want to take away from this. I just want to say it simply. She's going back to school to be a worship leader. She's got a voice like you have never heard. So Tom, Pastor Tom, you might have some competitions in the future. But Trinity, we celebrated her first birthday. Abigail Ministries is a ministry of first birthdays, second birthdays, third birthdays. It is a ministry of the future generations' birthdays being birthed there. That is what you're participating in. I love this little girl because, you know what? I spook her, and I don't know why, but maybe it's the hands. Anyways, we can keep going. Here is Jeremiah. you got to love Jeremiah. I hear his feet trotting over my head all day long. Boop, 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 boop. And I am so glad that I am downstairs some days because I can hear him running from one end of the house to the other. He's one years old. And he is, I love that his mother just was baptized about a month ago. His mom graduated high school while Abigail ministries. His mom is now another certified nursing assistant. And she's getting ready to move out and move forward in her life. And she wants Jesus. She wants Jesus as the foundation. The bricks have been laid underneath her feet. And your church has been faithful in this. And I've got two minutes, so i got to keep zooming. And I just Here's a good picture of just another day at Abigail, some of our moms. And we had paint the town, and we were celebrating Lou's birthday on the second from the left, or second on the right, on the left. Anyways, I want to talk to you about faithful to the dream. Abigail can house six women, six women or seven women. But what happens after two years? They end up outside of Abigail, and they're getting new homes and apartments, and that's what we want. But they miss the family and the community that they founded Abigail. They miss the friendships and the sisters. So the vision always was that we would have a next place for them to go, a community of homes where they would go next and live independently in those homes, but together so that they would have each other to build each other up. And so this next picture is the reality of what God is bringing about. Not because we went to Clinton Township, but Clinton Township came to us and said, we'd like you to just think about taking a piece of property and doing something with it. And we always knew God, but it wasn't going to be us pursuing it. It was going to be God pursuing us in that dream. And so we are going to build crate homes We're not there yet with the approval process, but what we have just so happens on our board, we have an architect. What a surprise. We have a surveyor. What a surprise. We have a builder. What a surprise. Do you think we knew this was coming at the time those men came on board? No, but God did. That's faithfulness. And if we go to the next picture, there's an upstairs and a downstairs. It's a place where they can live and raise their children. They could be able to have a safe place of their own, It's the dream. It's our dream for them. It's God's dream for them. And the last picture is the whole property. And in the dead center of that is an activity center. And that activity and community center is all about not just for them to come together to have Bible study, have daycare, to come in and get counseling. It's for the community to come in, Clinton Township community, so we can shine God's light brightly into that community that surrounds it. And here's the thing. God already put the money, some of the money in the bank for us. He already created the plan for us. And we're getting towards our last stages of we're going to build it. And we hope to do it ambitiously by the end of the year. Why? Because God is faithful. I thank you because in this big give, oh, there we go. In this big give, would you drop your money in, Hear the jingle, hear it, because that's God's promise. Every time you hear the change go in, and yes, dollars make sounds. Um, They're actually really nice sounds along with checks. But yes, drop the change in, but shake it and hear it in your ears because that is what you're being faithful to, God's faithfulness to you, to the things he's given you to do. It's the sound of change, change making a change change for the greater things he wants to do I thank you congregation I thank you each and every one of you for the opportunity to be up here negative 35 seconds sorry pastor anyways for allowing me to be up here to share with you about how God is working through you to do the greater thing in our community at Abigail Ministries so God bless you and thank you
0: Thank you, Sue Myers, and, uh, well, we are one of the, our goal is to raise and to give $15,000 in greater things offering. That's what we want to do. That would be the highest we've ever given, and, um, and I just believe we can do this by faith. <laughs> and so, $15,000 that we can be involved to help ministries like Abigail Ministries and trip uh, planting in and, and, uh, Ann Arbor, and uh, let's get behind that and do what you can. That's all you can do, do what you can. I believe that God will provide exactly what we need. And so, well, um, if you have a Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and um, we're going to be looking in that chapter today. That's the only chapter we're going to be looking at, several verses. Uh, there was a certain church, I don't know where, someone asked me where, I don't know where, but I just heard about this church, and uh, and they had a a tradition that every sunday morning the when the service began the, the worship minister the worship minister here come up to the to the platform and and when he came to the platform in that first second everybody stood up and they turned to their right and they faced a giant blank wall and then they would sing the doxology every Sunday, You say, what's the doxology? It's uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow, praise Him, all creatures here below, praise Him above, all ye heavenly hosts, praise Him, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, something like that. Anyway, uh, they, they sing that song every Sunday. They would stand up, turn to the right on a blank wall, and they would sing the song, and, and then they would come back and face forward, and then they would go on to their, to their service, and, and, and they just did that. Nobody knew why. In fact, it was a first-time guest, and, and he was a little confused by this, and he was like, so why in the world do y'all stand and face a wall and sing the psalms to a blank wall? And people look at the guy, and they're like, you know, we have no idea. We just, we just always done it. And, and, and so then they started asking questions. Nobody, everybody wanted to know why. And so, they find uh, an old man who's been there from the beginning of that church. And they said, do you know why we stand and look at a blank wall and sing the doxology? And he said, you know, I vaguely remember, but this was before we had hymnals. They would put the words of that song on that wall. And over time, the words began to fade, and then everyone just seemed to know it by heart. And they painted that wall, but no one told them to stop standing up, turning to their right, to keep singing. They just did it that way. And that's crazy. But you know, we find traditions all the time, and churches, the way they do things, and, and oftentimes we, we like to ask the question why do we do that? And one of the most common questions I get here at Lake Point is why we do. Communion, and and, and today I want to I want to do some teaching. I want to teach a little bit about communion and why we do that here, and what that means for all of us. And so I want to kind of dive into this and give us about three points, and hopefully you'll learn something today before we participate at the end during our communion together. Uh, Number one, if you're taking notes, you got handout notes throughout the building or throughout the church. We've also got it online as well. Number one, we take communion because Jesus started it. Jesus started it. Now, this doesn't sound like my, when I was a young kid and my two little brothers, I was the oldest, and uh, if we were to do something in trouble and mom and dad, they'd bring down the thunder, you know what I'm talking about, right? And they'd be like, who did this? You know, why do you do this? And I would say, hey, mom. He started it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then my, my, my younger brother would look at the youngest brother and say, no, he started it. And the youngest brother would look at me and say, no, no, no. Mom, Scott started it. He started it. we went round robbing and finally mom and dad just said, enough. Y'all started it. Y'all in trouble. Y'all get the punishment. But this is not to be that way because Jesus started it, and it was a wonderful thing. He started it. In fact, communion is also called The Lord's Supper. Same thing. The Lord's Supper because of the fact that Jesus started it. I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul wrote this. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink whenever you drink it, in remembrance in remembrance of me." God, who created you, knew that you and I would be forgetful people. Uh, throughout the scripture, we see this, where God is constantly setting up reminders for the people of Israel. He would set up memorials. They would do different things. In fact, when they were crossing over the Jordan River, after they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, they were crossing into the, into the Promised Land, they crossed the Jordan River, God dried up the river, and they'd walk across, and when they crossed over, God said to the Israelites, he told Moses, he said, hey, I want you guys, not Moses, he told Joshua, he I, I want you guys to set up 12 stones and make a monument That way, anytime you and your family walk by that monument, you can remember what God did at this place to cross over the Jordan River. As Americans, we do this as well. We do all kinds of stuff to remember our history. I mean, on 4th of July, and probably for a whole month of July, you know, about 10 o'clock at night, right? You hear it? 11 o'clock at night, your dogs don't like it, Right? You know, your kids, if they're trying to sleep, they don't like it, you don't like it, but it's going off every night. I mean, I love fireworks because, to me, it doesn't bother me. I'm hearing period. I can take them off all night long. <laughs> Hear nothing. I'm good, all right? And so, but man, 4th of July fireworks, it reminds us, right, the remembrance of, of, of independence. You know, our independence. Uh, we, we see this uh, in museums throughout the, throughout the country. We see statues a reminders of something that happened in that, in, in that location, or something that happened in our country in that, in that time period. Uh, one of my favorite memorial, one, one of my favorite things that we do is every November at Thanksgiving dinner. I got my turkey pants on, I'm ready to eat. <laughs> I'm ready to have a good time. But I'm also remembering, you know, there was a group of people that came across the, the, the Atlantic Ocean. And, and they, they they escaped from a a place that had no religious freedom. But they came to America, a group of people called the Pilgrims, and that they came and almost died. They almost didn't make it. But they were, were but God provided through the help of some Indians that were in there and they became friends and, and helped them to survive. And it was a time of thanksgiving to God. And that was the first Thanksgiving dinner. And you know, it's just a it's help us to remember. When we have Thanksgiving, hey, this was a special meal. And and it still continues today. But we're still offering thanks, especially at Thanksgiving, in in, in remembrance of what Jesus had done in our lives. Uh, Another significant memorial uh, memorial for the Israelites was the Passover meal. Now, Passover meal, the Passover was was a remembrance of their freedom from Egypt. That's when Moses led them out of Egypt and into the wilderness and to the promised land after 40 years. But that Passover was a a memorial to help them remember that night where God finally let them get out from under the bondage of Egypt. And and, and they still do the Passover meal today. The Jewish, they would celebrate Passover. They would have a meal called, called the cedar meal. And there would be a rabbi that would kind of talk through um, this meal. And and, and they would eat, in that part of that meal, they would eat some bitter herbs. And and I've been a part of a cedar meal before. If you've never been a part of one, you should. It's really interesting. Because there's so much wisdom, so much little things that remind you about what God has done for the Israelites. And, and, And you eat the bitter herbs, and the rabbi would say, hey, that bitter herb, that that that." You know, usually some type of horseradish, you know, or, or something else, but it would be really bitter, and it would be remind you of the of the slavery, being under bondage, and, and then later on, they would they would eat something very sweet with honey on it, some type of pastry, and the rabbi would say this is to remind us of the faithfulness and the goodness of God and what He's done to free us from the bondage of Egypt, and and, and they would eat this meal and. It's, Full of memorial and memories, and, and it was at this Passover meal that Jesus was sitting at with his disciples. That's what we're reading about in 1 Corinthians chapter eleven. With that did Passover meal, and Jesus said, "You know what? I'm going to take the Passover meal to a whole other level because the Passover is a picture of our freedom from the bondage of sin." But the way Jesus puts it out, and there's so much awesome pictures in the Passover that relate to our salvation. And and, and Jesus right here, said he takes it to a whole nother level. He said, hey, this bread that you're about to eat, this is going to be my body, which was broken for you. And then then this drink, the juice that you'll be drinking reminds you, this is going to be a, a memory, a reminder of the sacrifice and the blood that was shed for your sins, for your salvation. And so the primary purpose, if you're taking note, the primary purpose of communion is a symbolic reminder of Jesus' death. It's a symbolic reminder, and that's important. It's important to understand that this is not, communion has nothing to do with your salvation. This doesn't get you, what I say, saved. You don't get saved when you take communion. This is not one of the requirements for salvation. This is simply a picture, a reminder of the salvation of God, of salvation of Jesus, of his sacrifice on the cross, who was buried and rose again. It was a picture of what he did for us and for you. And how we have salvation through him and him alone. And so communion is simply a reminder. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, twice, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And the Lord's Supper is the most meaningful memorial ever established. It's so beautiful you can see the wisdom of God written all over it. We see so many pictures, so simple. We see the, when you see the bread, it's the unleavened bread, which is the picture of the sinless body of Jesus. You see the juice it blood colored, and it reminds us of the blood that was shed for our sin. It is portable, you know, you don't have to go to a special place, you don't have to go to, you know—you don't have to travel to Jerusalem and and go on a journey. It it can happen anywhere. In fact, this past Good Friday, right before Easter, we had a virtual service, we were online, and we told you to be prepared and have the Lord's Supper ready for you during that service. And so many of you participated together. It's so portable, Uh, it's interactive. It's not something that we get to observe and watch. It's something that we get to do. It's something that we can participate in. It is so much more. Communion is so much more than a religious exercise. It is so much more than a mid-service snack. It is so much more than that. It is a memorial. It's a picture of remembrance. It focuses our hearts and minds on who Jesus is and what he did for us. In verse number 26, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Every time you and I participate in the Lord's Supper, it's a sermon without words about the cross. That's a sermon reminding us what Jesus did on that cross. So Jesus started it, left us with a picture that we will never forget. But number two, another reason why we take communion is because it demonstrates the unity of the church. It demonstrates the unity of the church. The word communion in the Greek word is pronounced koinonia. Now, if you watch ESPN3 and you watch in 2018 the National Spelling Bee, I know we got some of you in here, okay? You watch the National Spelling Bee on ESPN3, okay? And uh, if you were to watch it, the final, final word was the word koinonia. Now, here's how awesome this is because the final word, most of the time I've never heard of it. It's never, it's never a word I would ever get right. But uh, when I heard that that was the final word, I was like, man, I would have won because I know my koinonia. <laughs> All right? that's the word for communion. In, in, in other words, it's the word for fellowship. It also means sharing in common. Sharing in common. Now, the Corinthians... They had a problem with unity. When, when we read 1 Corinthians, this is a letter from Paul to the church at Corinth. And the church, the, the church of Corinth, they had some problems. So when you read 1 Corinthians chapter, you know, when you read the First Corinthians, this was a pretty hard letter. Paul 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 is kind of bringing down the business here. I mean, he's like, man, you guys, you guys need to be shaping up. And he is, he is really coming down on him And one of the areas that he was getting onto the Church of Corinth was the lack of unity. Look at verse number twenty. And so, so then, when you guys come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. In, in other words, it says you guys are coming together. And having a "quote unquote" Lord's Supper, but you're not really having the Lord's Supper. That's what he saying. He said you're fooling yourself. You, you've abused the idea of communion. He said, he said this verse twenty-one. For when you are eating, this is what someone, some of you—you're you're going ahead with your own private Suppers. You're taking your communion, and you're like, "Hey, I'm better than everybody else." You know, I I make more money. All the poor people, you you guys, you know, you're over here. We're going over here. And and there was a terrible, terrible division happening here. Some of you go ahead with your own private supper. And as a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have home to eat and drink in? Or, Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? No. He said, certainly not in this matter. And in the Corinthian culture, the Corinthian was a very godless culture. And there was a common practice to show favoritism, prejudice, a lot of prejudice that was happening in this culture, and there was a lot of favoritism, especially at mealtime. Those who were higher on the social and economic ladder, they oftentimes went first, oftentimes leaving nothing left behind for those who were lower on the ladder. And so the Christians at Corinth, they have allowed this practice to creep into the church, to creep in. The haves were jumping in front of those of the have-nots. And there was such disunity in the body. And so Paul encouraged them in verse number 33, and so then, my brothers and sisters, when you're gathered to eat, you should all eat together. He instructed them to wait for each other because when it comes to the Lord's Supper, we're all on the same level. The social and economics, the distinctions, they disappear. Our spiritual level, It disappears as well. well. Jesus, he died for each of us because we're all sinners who are hopelessly lost except for the grace of God. That's what we need to remember at the Lord's Supper. You see a brand new Christian and a believer for 50 years, they're on the same level at the foot of the cross. It's level ground at the foot of the cross. We're in it together because without Jesus, we're nothing. And all of us, we're the same in the sight of God. And he loves you just the same as everybody else. He loves you. He doesn't love one group of people more than another. He loves all of us equally. He loves those on the other side of the world. He loves everybody, no matter what color of skin they are. God loves everybody because people matter to him. People matter to him so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for the entire world, for all of us. It's level ground at the foot of the cross. And so when we have communion, it reminds us, you know what? I come humbled before God because I'm not all that. I'm not all that. I'm reminding myself personally, hey, listen, I'm not all that. I've got a way to go. I'm just broken just like you. Just because I've got the word pastor in front of me. Listen, I'm just as broken, broken as broken can be. Who knows Jesus, saved by grace? Number three, why do we do communion? Because it's a time when I rededicate myself to him. I rededicate myself to Jesus. You know, every day, the Apostle Paul says, I die daily. Every day, he's rededicating himself. And communion is the best time to do it. It's an opportunity every time we come together for you to rededicate it reminds me that he is God, and I'm not God. There's this attitude about God among people today. There's this attitude and this, this idea that, that God, you know, God, you know, God is my good buddy. And there's this attitude. There was a t-shirt fad a while back Well, you see the t-shirt that said, you "No." Know, Jesus is my homeboy. Yeah, Jesus is my homeboy. Listen, listen. It's certainly true. Jesus is your friend. But we are not to treat him so flippantly like he's my homeboy. We ought to treat him with reverence. He's a holy, holy God holy. He should be treated as just. And when we come to communion, when we come to the Lord's Supper, we are to treat it with a holy reference, with respect. There are certain behaviors at the communion table. Notice what Paul says in verse 27. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Wow, the you are pretty drawn cautions. We're not to come to this. You know, it's just another meaningless exercise. Um, this is important what we do. If it wasn't important, we wouldn't do it. It's important. Verse 28, he said this. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Here's what I gathered from the first, three verses. Communion requires some self-examination. It's an opportunity for you to come clean before God. God, all my sins, even my secret sins, they are known to you. Nothing is hidden from God. Communion, it, it forces us to be real, to come clean and to be real, With God. Be real. Don't try to fake it with God. God knows. He knows. Just be real. He just wants you to be real with him. And it's in this self-examination that we realize that none of us are worthy to take communion. None of us are perfect. We are all sinners. But we're sinners saved by grace. And because of that grace shown to us, we are not part of Christ's body, the church. Now, here's a couple questions. Who should take communion? Who should take it? And those who have asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior, this is the communion for you. This is, those are the ones that should participate. If you are here, if you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, then communion is just a meaningless exercise. It won't mean anything to you. Again, this is not there's no salvation earned by being, participating in communion. It's just a remembrance of salvation found in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. If you're not saved, then you're just taking a cracker and drink some, some juice and that's it. So who should take communion? Those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And then another question people ask, oh, Scott, what should I do during communion? How should I, what are some practical ideas? It's very practical you know, for me. This is what I do. Um, I, always, I always ask God, God, show me my sins. God, what are my pride, my lust, my greed, envy? As God, show me. I want to come clean before you. I want to rededicate myself to you. Sometimes I read Psalm, 30, uh, Psalm 32. Which is a, a, a psalm of confession. Psalm 51, another great psalm. David wrote those psalms after he had committed sin against Bathsheba. And in those psalms, it's his confession. And sometimes I read those psalms, those are beautiful psalms of forgiveness. I love what David said in Psalm 51 says, Restore unto me the joy. Of salvation. The joy, because he didn't lose his salvation, but he's lost the joy of his salvation. Restore that to me. And these are things that I do during communion. And I hope that during communion time today, you'll be able to reflect. Say, God, show me today something unclean in my life. Now I wanna make it right, I wanna be real. I wanna share in communion. When we do this together, we are celebrating. You see, this is a celebration of our relationship with the risen Lord Jesus by taking seriously his own words on the night before he died. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the beautiful gift that you have given us to help us remember the sacrifice on the cross of the blood that was shed for us, the body that was broken for us. We thank you that salvation is found in you and you alone and so, God, in a few minutes when we participate together, may we never forget, never forget what you did for us. In fact, help us to rededicate our lives to you. But, God, perhaps there's someone here this morning that's never asked Jesus to come into their hearts. They don't know. Maybe you're here today. You don't know Jesus. It just, God, you've been talking about Jesus and talking about what he's done for me. My friend, if you're here, you can know Jesus right where you're at. Today, you can ask him to come into your life, be your Lord and be your savior. Simply cry out to him. You can pray to him silently in the quietness of your heart. You can pray that God's listening. You're not praying it to me. A holy father who's listening to you right now. You pray a prayer like this. You say, dear God, I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I need your salvation. You died on the cross for me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. be my Savior. I want to spend eternity with you. Thank you for your free gift of salvation. I want to be a child of God. If that's you this morning, you says, God, I prayed, that prayer, and I've never done that today. But today I've asked you to come into my life, be my Lord and Savior, if that's you, would you simply raise your hand, no one's looking, Say, man I asked you to come in my heart and I meant it. I see one hand over here, anybody else I See a hand over in the back anybody else God we thank you for those who made decisions today I pray that as we go into communion in the next few minutes prepare our hearts as we remember as we remember you